Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. WGR. Here's the American dream. Dusty Rhodes and Dusty, your fans welcome you back, man. Sports Radio 550. I don't have to say a lot more about the way I feel about Sports Talk Saturday. No respect, no honor. There is no honor among these in the first place. He put hard times on Dusty Rhodes and his family. You don't know what hard times are, Daddy. Hard times are when the textile workers around this country are out of work. They got four or five kids and can't pay their wages, can't buy their food. Hard times are when the auto workers are out of work and they tell them go home. And hard times are when a man has worked at a job 30 years. 30 years. They give him a watch, kick him in the butt and say, hey, a computer took your place, daddy. That's hard time. Want to talk to the guys on Sports Talk Saturday? Call or text us now. You put hard times on this country by taking Dusty Rhodes out. That's hard time. Sports Talk Saturday on WGR. Frankly, I'm, I'm surprised they haven't gotten a computer to replace me. Just someone with, you know, like a cyborg with devilishly good sounding looks. I know. To know? Does that, that didn't work? Because I keep getting told I have a face for radio. So if you bring a computer Ooh. with a very, you know, handsome sounding man voice, um, maybe that'd work better. That's tough. I don't know. Well, good. Uh, good morning, everybody. I'm um, Snake Erie here. I'm back in my normal uh, in my normal seat after uh, just a, a few week hiatus. I uh, unfortunately came down with the uh, the Rona. Uh, also known as COVID-19, um, wasn't too fun. I'm still, if you can kind of notice my my voice, I still kind of sound a little crappy, so you'll bear with me today. For real? If you can. Yeah, yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah, so I um, I had a real nasty upper respiratory situation. Um, it's weird because I still I still don't really have much taste or smell. Um, it, it, it vibes in and out is how I've described it to my girlfriend. It's vibey. Also disgusting. So, like, I'll wake up in the morning <clears throat> and I'll be able to taste somewhat. Like, like I, I've been putting percentages on it lately. So, like, I'll wake up in the morning and forty percent of my taste and twenty five percent of my smell. Just will have be a there. huge pack of Virginia Slims. It, correct. To see if you can smoke get that menthol Smoke flavor. as many cigarettes as I possibly can to um, open to up just, the airways. Right. Open exactly. Up the open up the chest a little. Um, and um, by the time dinner comes around, I'm pretty much 
can't taste anything. Mm. So last night, same thing. We went out to my one of my favorite local restaurants, and um, luckily I was able to taste some of the beginning of the meal, and then as it kind of went on, I sort of lost flavor and lost taste, unfortunately. So um, unfortunate part about the whole thing is I actually started getting symptoms the day before I was supposed to get my vaccine. Ah! So, um, no! yeah, so, uh, unfortunate, uh, unfortunate nonetheless, I, um, it, it is, the other unfortunate part of this is I've been getting, given a lot of mixed signals about when it is I'll be eligible and able to take my vaccine, uh, because I just tested positive. I still have the antibodies in my system. I'm obviously no longer, um, you're you know, no I, longer testing positive. I, I'm no longer testing positive, but I have antibodies and, uh, you know, I'm not. Uh, contagious to anyone any right. longer, which is why I'm here. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I'm still kind of dealing with some of this upper rep respiratory issue. And like, so if you hear me clearing my my chest or trying to with like unproductive coughs, that's kind of what's happening here. Um, and, and what I've been dealing with <clears throat> for the last, you know, 10 days or so. No, it had already gone through... Your apartment, right? Because I believe your girlfriend already had it. She had it back last year in March. She like got OG it, COVID. She got she got the OG COVID. And the funny thing is, well, I don't know. It's not funny, I guess, but she had COVID, and you know, I slept next to her every night. I took care of her, and I never got it during the time that she had it. Um, she. Like every good Catholic, just so, never touching. Let me tell Absolutely you this, not. right? So I was one day away from the vaccine. She was five days. Out from taking the Johnson & Johnson vaccine when the pause happened, and she fits into the 18 to 40-year-old uh, female that were, you know, potentially having these blood clotting issues across the country. So right. just a lot of anxiety in our home uh, around COVID-19. Things are great. And, yeah, and, you know, frankly, <clears throat> I... I'm looking forward to getting a little more clarity on when it is I'll, I'll be able to safely take the, uh, take the vaccine. Um, I, it's... You know, like I said, I, I've been kind of told one thing, like, hey, you should wait 90 days after your diagnosis uh, before you take the vaccine, or hey, as long as you weren't hospitalized and taking therapeutics, you should be pretty much good to go as soon as you're not experiencing any more symptoms. The problem is I'm still kind of experiencing symptoms, um, which is unfortunate, but, you know, I'm okay, um, but I definitely want to, um, It as a 29-year-old man who is, I would call myself moderately healthy, um, I'm not like a gym goer. I'm not what I would call myself peak shape or condition. You've been golfing a lot. I golf, right? I get outdoors. I get my steps in, okay? So I'm a normal, average 29-year-old male uh, in the Northeast with uh, poor blood flow and cold fingers at night. That's, Correct. Otherwise, I'm pretty healthy, right? Mm -hmm. um, and at first, the symptoms basically were kind of what everybody had. It was chills. Um, a really kind of nasty headache um, and a fatigue to the level I've never quite experienced before. And then um, as those symptoms started going away, these respiratory symptoms started to kind of take over. Um, and this has been really kind of an unfun last two weeks for me. I've, I'm now um, almost four weeks uh, out from having the, uh, having the virus. So um, the good news is I'm, I'm, I feel much better. I, the fatigue isn't quite there as much. Uh, this, like my body being sore after like, you know, going from the couch to the refrigerator back to the couch. That's no longer happening, which is nice. But yeah, this, um, this upper respiratory thing it sucks at night um for probably the first five or six days i started experiencing the respiratory symptoms i was 
kind of laying in bed and it sort of felt like there was a bowling ball in my chest and it just was it was it, it was like great. it was like I had a bunch of phlegm in my chest that you could feel like okay if I just get a good couple of coughs here I can you know hack it up and I'll be good to go lay down. Can you <clears> breathe <throat> directly on me without a mask? This sounds awesome. It How sounds, can I get this? It does sound fun, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, can and I go again, to a parking lot out in Amherst and burn all the masks maybe on a Polish holiday and then, and then maybe get the disease? Well, if this you stand terrific. over it, you can get some of the the good juju off the burned masks. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but you know, here's the thing, and 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 kind of just as a as a caution for others, like you know, I found myself to be a pretty anxious person about this. Meaning, you know, I'm wearing masks when I go places. I really have you know avoided large gatherings with friends, with family. I haven't seen my grandparents since um, since Christmas of two thousand and nineteen. Mm-hmm. Does that sound right? Yeah, that's that's right. Um, so it's been. Sometimes since I've seen my grandparents, my my grandfather um, is definitely a, kind of like an at risk health person. I just didn't want to even you know we talked about potentially seeing each other, but they're vaccinated. Once I'm vaccinated and my girlfriend, she's good. So like once I feel once I'm vaccinated, we'll be able to kind of reconnect as a in, in, as a family and, and and all that stuff. But you know I'm I'm very happy that my grandparents, neither of them, got the virus. Um, the, I was very happy about that because you know you just never know. Um, and for me. Um, getting the virus this kind of late in the game, it's it's tough because I've you know for me I I've kind of preached like hey let's all kind of do this together let's let's maintain this social distancing but I found myself you know also getting to the point of exhaustion and I you know took and I traveled and I drove down to South Carolina for a golf trip and I maintained and was able to leave that golf trip without getting sick mm-hmm. and yet I come home. Um, I don't really know where I got it or when I got it. Um, I know I started experiencing symptoms, and then from there it was yeah. I just it 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 it's such a unique, quick, you know, quick coming and quick going type of uh, type of situation. But I'm still having these pretty just annoying more than anything. Uh, they're they're not. I'm not you know in any pain and I'm not you know struggling or anything. But it's you know it's annoying to kind of feel like I've got this bowling ball on my chest and and. You know, nothing works. Mucinex, I've taken all the Mucinex, yeah, all of the Allegra, all of the everything. Kind of the nature of the beast when you have a no immune uh, to immunity to a disease that's rolling around is that you take medicine and it doesn't it work. It just doesn't work. And there's nothing worse than like feeling that phlegm at the edge of existence. Like all it's going to take is that one good cough to really clear yourself and you're like, okay, now I can go to sleep. And that's the danger of the variants that are now floating around town is that's how right. quickly they spread. Um, how they send, tend to spread through groups of people that did the, they weren't spreading through before, like young people and mm-hmm. even school-aged children. Yep. And how, because they spread so quickly, even if you're out and about doing the right thing. Yeah, like if, me. If right. you're unvaccinated, you're maintaining social you're a target. you got your mask on. <laughs> you're a target. It doesn't take a lot of people no. who aren't doing that right. to put you at risk. Yeah, and you know, like I said, I... I really, I, I, I genuinely can't go back to when I talk to the contract tracers. I genu- I can't go back and I can't tell you, you know, this might have been the moment. And and frankly, I that's not true. There there is a moment that I felt maybe it happened. And and I'll tell you this. This was talk about the most irony, right? So I was coming back from it was a beautiful from the day. mask factory. It was a beautiful day. It was maybe so. When did I get this? This would have been end of March. So this would have been. A couple of maybe I, I started feeling symptoms on like Sunday, and I was out, and this happened on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. There was a really bad accident on the 33. Like I was slowing down, 
and there was stop traffic. There was another accident. And this person who was either texting or driving or not paying attention flew past me going about 80 miles per hour. He clearly didn't see stop traffic and hit the person in front of me going full speed without stopping or braking. And the car that he hit had flipped over and was pinned against the sidewall of the 33. Oh, my goodness. So I watched the whole thing happen. So I was like, uh, like I gotta go see if this person's okay. So I got, I pulled over to the side. I got out of the car, and it was a young, like, teenage girl that was driving in the car, and she was flipped over. So I'm like, okay, I don't have a mask on. I just got out to try to help, right? And there was a bunch of people that started congregating together. We were able to kind of get her out of the vehicle. And if that was the, if that was the time that I was exposed one of a to million it, kind of things, unbelievable. Like, and that's the only thing I told the contract tracer that it could have been. I was like, I don't. I'm like, I don't want to. I'm not trying to like humble brag you like this was like a scenario that happened i was in public the only time in the past year that i've been around people that i didn't know without masks on and nobody had masks on because it was just like a yes. weird traumatic quick if happening, there was going to be a moment where people weren't wearing masks and didn't think an about it it was in that moment and i thought to myself man if that's how i got it it's something it's somewhat of like a poetic justice You'll sort have to of see thing. it um but yeah uh, long story short um you know listen i you know it's it's been a a weird couple of weeks obviously the last couple of weeks uh, the last week with some of the news about you know people needing to be vaccine to go to the bills games and and kind of some of the conjecture and some of the back and forth about that i'm i'm not really having any interest in getting in that today i, I want to talk a lot about the draft and then that's coming up but you know just from my own personal experience i you know listen i right now i i had wished that I, my my vaccine um was scheduled for a week prior right because then maybe i'm not in the position that i'm in still having these symptoms but you know go out and still remain safe everybody and uh thanks to a lot of the people that reached out to me to ask me how i was doing and i'm good i'm uh, i'm feeling much better and i'm happy to be back in this seat um we're kind of uh, you know we're approaching draft time um i've got a great great lineup of guests for you today obviously i i posted it earlier in the week uh, it is all highlighted by mina kimes of course uh, mina from espn uh, and nfl live She'll be joining me at 1 o'clock, but before that, um, I have Chris Trapasso, who's going to be here and, and ready any second to, to jump on the Western hotline with me. Um, Chris and I are going to talk some offensive pieces of this draft, some guys that he thinks are good fits for the Bills. Of course, Chris is a uh, NFL draft analyst for CBS Sports, so we'll have him up here in just a few moments. Um, then another buddy of mine is Eric Edholm of Yahoo Sports and NFL Draft. He's going to join us right after Chris um, at around 11.30, 11.35. We'll talk about the defensive side of things. At, uh, at 12, Evan Lazar of um, CLS, or CLNS Media um, and uh, host of the Patriots Beat Podcast. He's going to join us at 12. We're going to talk about the Patriots draft, 12.30. Joe Ca- uh, Caparoso of um, Badlands on Twitter. Um, you can check him out at, jo- uh, at J Caparoso. He... Uh, he hosts the Jets Badlands podcast. Uh, great guests. We'll talk a little bit about what the Jets got going on. And then, obviously, at 1 o'clock, Mina Kimes joins us. But uh, I, I want to go right to the Western Hotline. I don't want to waste any time because we got a lot to talk about. And uh, Chris Trapasso joins me now. Uh, good morning to you, Chris. Thanks for joining me, man. It's been a little while. Uh, how are things, man? Things are good. And this is probably the most pressure that I've ever had kicking off a show on yeah. WGR with that final guest. It's a great lineup. But to get Mina Kimes, I, I this is a lot of pressure. So I gotta like 
start off with a single to just start this awesome show. Yeah, so I'll 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 just give you like a softball, so we don't even have to worry about <laughs> putting the pressure on you this early on. Um, but no, uh, you know, Chris, obviously one of the things that I wanted to do today with you um, was talk a little bit about the offensive side of things because you know I think the offense for the Buffalo Bills in particular still feels to me like there's some incomplete additions there, and and I think mostly because the Bills did such a good job of retaining Chris all the pieces that they really wanted to retain, including getting John Feliciano back um, and and having hopefully a healthy Cody Ford going into this season as maybe your full-time starting left guard. Um, But where I wanted to go with you and where I want to start with you is on the offensive line. And I really want to zero in on that 30th pick because – after 30, Chris, I do think things get really interesting when you get to the Bills' second-round pick, and we'll talk a little bit about some of the guys that will be available. I find this offensive line draft, Chris, to be incredibly unique and varied in its talent, um, in the size, um, in the experience that you're seeing. But frankly, I, I, I've been kind of on this train now for a little while, as I think you can find quality, even potential first-year starters into the third round of this draft, and, and that's kind of maybe the one position group you can you can maybe coin that as, but I'm really interested into you in terms of fit. If you were to throw me a guy at 30 that you think is going to be around, available at 30, that really fits either a need or maybe the structure, or maybe it's a Brian Dable type, um, you know, Air Perkins type offense, a pass-heavy offense. Is there a guy that sticks out to you in your mind that you think is just the best fit for the Bills? If you're talking offensive line at 30, uh, it would have to be Creed Humphrey from Oklahoma. I mean, he was a three-year starter there. He has a wrestling background, so you know that ticks the box for Sean McDermott. He's a center, but at the Senior Bowl, they tried him out at guard, and he's a little bit of a bigger, bulkier center. So I think he can play guard, and we know that there was some speculation that the Bills were maybe going to move on from Mitch Morris. I, I was not in that camp. I thought they should certainly hold on to him he takes a pay cut to stick around I think the fact that Creed Humphrey has the versatility has the experience he's kind of a mauler very good um, winning the leverage battle the angle battle because of that wrestling background you love the experience uh, I think and maybe there's even a little bit of an aside that he's blocked on the same offensive line with Cody Ford in the past he was starting there before Cody Ford came to the NFL I think Creed Humphrey could be that dark horse name that would make a lot of sense. It wouldn't be a flashy pick. And like you mentioned, because of the retention on the entire offense and really on the defense too, he wouldn't have to play immediately, but it would be a a smart selection to upgrade and to push some of those starters at guard. And then maybe for the future, he is your starting center in 2022. He's not a freaky specimen, but he is a very high-floor interior offensive lineman, and that's what you would want to get at pick 30 if you're the Bills. So I, I, I like the idea a lot, I, and especially from what you saw at the Senior Bowl, like you mentioned, and his ability to have some of that maybe that that versatility to move from center or guard or, hey, I, I think they liked part of the reason I think they liked John Feliciano wanted to bring him back mm-hmm. was his his ability to bump down to center if need be, if there was an injury. When you're talking about Creed, though, where do you view him long-term? Like, do you view him as – because I, I, you and me had this conversation about Cody Ford I don't know how many times. Um, you know, where we really viewed yeah. him as in the in the pro game where we thought he would really have the ability to be a Pro Bowl level, level player, and we both thought guard was that position for them. So I – I'm glad that the Bills kind of also thought that, and obviously they, they've moved him to left guard, and, and he's going to be fighting out um, at, at that left guard position to be the starter. Where do you see Creed Humphrey being if we're saying he's going to have a Pro Bowl career, he's going to have a Pro Bowl career because he's playing here? I think it's center. 
just because that's where he predominantly played at Oklahoma. He's not the most agile, quick off the snap center, but he's very powerful. He doesn't get bull rushed into the quarterback too often. And, and this is the case, and I think Mitch Morse is very good at doing this. Because he's so experienced, he's good at calling out the protections, understanding where Blitz is coming from, helping out his left guard to his left or the right guard when there's a stunt, when there's a delayed Blitz, a zone Blitz. So he's very cerebral in that sense. Is he going to be, the like again, the most athletic center in the league? No, but I think he's plenty powerful enough, again, to potentially play guard in a pinch. But at center, he can really do all of the things that you need centers to do very well from the mental side of the game. And then he matches it with that power and that wrestling background. Yeah, and Chris, I mean, I think you would agree with this. I'm not sure that if the Bills are looking for a, a replacement for Mitchell Morse long term, I'm not sure that like I'm 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 zoning in on you know these these potential uh, these potential prospects and their ability to be like road graders or big guys in the middle that can become real um, physical run blockers because I just don't think that's where this offense even if Brian Dable moves on this offseason and say Ken Dorsey takes over I I would assume that this pass happy. Um, type of pass-first offense is going to kind of continue to be how they win with Josh Allen. So what that said is, does he maybe fit in the mold of a guy that you can really... Like Mitchell Morse, I'm not saying is as an elite-level offensive center, but I will say in terms of pass blocking, he is much better pass... He's a very good pass blocker. And I'd say he's he's an okay run blocker, right? Would you maybe fill... Creed Humphrey in that sort of mold where you, you believe he's a guy that walks in off the bus as a guy that can really handle the interior pass rush in the NFL, but maybe will struggle out of the gates as a run blocker, or do you see that as vice versa? No, I actually see him pretty similarly to Mitch Morse, that I think playing at Oklahoma, and I haven't mentioned this yet, I mean, that is a spread-out, pass-happy offense. And a lot of what I just said about calling out blitzes and stunts, that was a part of his key role dealing with an offense that wanted to throw the ball 50 times a game at Oklahoma and was very spread out. There wasn't a lot of extra blockers in there at running back or at tight end. So it was five offensive linemen having to block sometimes six and seven guys. So I think he can come in right away, even if he doesn't have to play immediately, but early in his career and be a above average pass blocker. And I think because he's not a crazy athlete, that's why we haven't heard about a lot of first round buzz for him. And that's probably why he might struggle getting to the second level on those combo blocks in the run game or getting across the line of scrimmage on a zone play. And we know the Bills like to kind of mix up if they're running man concepts or zone concepts in their run game. But he has plenty of experience and a lot of quality film blocking on a passing play. And I agree with you, whether it's Brian Dable or Ken Dorsey, the Bills on first down even want to pass the football. And that's the way that the league is trending, and the Bills, I think, get an advantage by letting Josh Allen throw the football, uh, even in those traditional run-play type of situations. So I think Creed Humphrey's background at Oklahoma uh, and, and just how often they threw the football will really bode well for him once he gets to the NFL. CBS NFL Draft Sports uh I guess I call you a reporter, but really you're you're kind of an all-around uh, utility player for CBS in terms of the draft. And before I uh, before I get into the next prospect, uh, you should plug because I know you're doing a ton of coverage for CBS for the draft, like wall to wall. If you want to plug that, this is a good time to plug it because I know a lot of folks that are listening are, are big Chris Trapasso uh, draft fans. So, 
Uh, yeah, from round two through round seven, if you go on to CBSSports.com and follow the draft tracker, I know those are really popular during the draft. Go to CBS Sports. Any live grade that you see starting at pick number 33 all the way through pick 259 will be done by me. The third years, I've done it. I'm, it's my favorite thing to do every year. It is an absolute grind over those two final days of the draft, but it's a lot of fun. So any draft grade, and then I give like, two or three sentences on each pick that will be done by me. Nice. Um, yeah, the other guy I really wanted to talk to you about, Chris, is Landon Dickerson of Alabama, interior offensive lineman. Uh, it's kind of maybe in the same mold of a Creed Humphrey, a guy that in mm-hmm. the NFL at the next level could maybe veer out as a center or a guard. Where do you like Dickerson? I know uh, in terms of, you know, like mock drafts and fan mock drafts, the draft network and whatnot, he has been sort of the ideal second-round pick um, for folks. Yeah. I've seen him sort of slot in a lot there. Is that a guy you believe that based on his interviews with teams – I, he's he's kind of he, he shocks me as the kind of guy that is likely going to have a team fall in love with him. Um, even outside of what he puts on film, I think he's a really solid player. But I think people are going to like the person Landon Dickerson even more. Um, so that leads me to believe he's probably not going to be around for the Bills in the second round. So is he a kind of guy, even coming off the injury, that you believe he's first-round talent, first-round grade, this is a guy at the next level that can walk in and start at either Garter Center? I wouldn't necessarily put him in that light. I don't think he's a first-round prospect, and the fact that he has the torn ACL in December Mm -hmm. uh, is a little bit worrisome. Projecting out for a whole career, you're not worried about that injury too much. Uh, I think he's actually better at guard. I I don't know if I want my center to be like 6'5 or Mm -hmm. 6'6. And Landon Dickerson played left tackle. He started at Florida State, played there. He played right. He's played every position. So talk about versatility. I think that is part of the reason why a team is going to really fall in love with him. And for him to get all the way to pick 61, it seems somewhat unlikely. Um, So I like him. I think he's a little bit stiff and plays a little high. Uh, Again, to be dealing with a 6'1", 290-pound defensive tackle that uses leverage and quickness to get into the backfield, I think he might have a little problems with that. He would actually be the inverse of someone like Creed Humphrey or Mitch Morris. Mm. I think in that power run game, and yes, Alabama liked to throw the football, but they were also very good at running. And in terms of being a run blocker and executing a combo block and down blocking and then getting to the second level and finding a linebacker, that's where Landon Dickerson really excels. I think he also is good at helping out teammates um, when there's only a three- or a four-man rush and he doesn't have an initial assignment off the snap. Uh, But I... I'm just a little bit concerned about his size at center. I think at guard adds a little bit more weight. I think he can be a very good guard. If he was there at 61 and the Bills went corner or edge rusher in round one, I think they would run that pick to the podium. He seems more like a, a solid round two pick for me just because I, I'm – kind of in the minority that I don't really love his long-term projection at the center spot. So I know the toast of Bill's Twitter is more like they need to go for a tight end. And hey, I am i don't think I'm totally against the tight end idea. Um, but after Kyle Pitts, I... I don't. I don't really view there as being another bona fide first round um, tight end no. coming out of this draft. So if tight end isn't the move, I think wide receiver might be a sneaky move. And and I think the Bills will. 
I think the Bills at 30 will draft the best available. So I think we can throw out any other conversations about, well, the Bills really need this so they'll breach or they'll pick a player because they're need. I think the Bills are in a draft the best available type player. And with that said, that might lead them to see multiple wide receivers as the best potential player on the board at the time 30 comes around. The one name that I'm sort of crushing on and hoping falls to the Bills, but I, I'm not sure that I actually think it's realistic is Rashad Bateman of Minnesota. Um, but with him missing the season um, last year and opting out, maybe, you know, without the, all the additional film, maybe Bateman falls into the mid-20s, and if the Bills really like him, that's a guy maybe you, you trade up a couple picks to go and grab. But who's a player at 30? Uh, I'll, I'll tell you mine is Elijah Moore of, of Ole Miss is another player I'd really love to see in this offense, and there might not be two better like mentors for Elijah Moore than Cole Beasley and and uh, Emmanuel Sanders. So tell me a little bit about 30 um, at the wide receiver position and if you think there's maybe a really ideal scheme fit for the Bills at wide receiver. Yeah, that would be the ultimate best player available direction that the Bills could go in because we know that the wide receiver group in 2021 is set. But I do think that the Bills, Brandon Bean and, and all the same coaching staff is back, they just are coming off a playoffs where Cole Beasley got kind of dinged up and John Brown was hurt, wasn't at 100%, and we saw that kind of rear its ugly head in that AFC title game that the Bills' pass game wasn't as efficient as it had been for the first 18 games of the season because they didn't have uh, the tons of depth at the wide receiver spot, and some of the wide receivers that they have are a little older. Elijah Moore would be a tremendous scheme fit in Buffalo because he is a mix of Cole Beasley and I think early in his career Emmanuel Sanders in that he can really stretch the field. He ran in the low four fours at his pro day, had a three cone under that seven second threshold that we all like to see well under it. He's super quick, very sure handed. He's tiny, but he's not someone that immediately goes down on first contact. Uh, and to just get a season with Maybe he only sees 40 or 50 targets because there's there's so much uh, possibilities for Josh Allen to throw the football, so much talent on this roster. I think that would be totally fine. And then he's immediately your wide receiver number two uh, in 2022. I will say, you bring up Elijah Moore, you bring up Rashad Bateman, who to me is probably the best all-around wide receiver in that second tier. He can bring you anything that you need on the football field. There are going to be quality, high quality, wide receivers available at 30 when the Bills go on the clock. So if they're really going best player available, and you're right, Brandon Bean has set this team up to truly go in that direction. There's no telegraphing like, hey, we lost Matt Milano, we need a linebacker. That's not the case. Uh, Rondale Moore, Elijah Moore, Rashad Mm -hmm. Maven, those are the three that I think are could be there, realistically could be on the board at 30 all of which would be tremendous fits to, like Sean McDermott has said, keep that fastball. I know you've been on that train. Joe Marino's been on yep. that train. Keep the fastball. The Chiefs drafted Cole Hardman when they had you know, the prime of Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey and a great run game. It wouldn't shock me if Brandon Bean says, hey, we know how important the pass game is. We want to keep this group young and pushing a lot of these bottom-of-the-roster players Elijah Moore, Rondale Moore, or Rashad Bateman, I would be completely fine with either of those three 
being the pick at 30. And, you know, Chris, it's it's not lost on me that one of the more interesting quotes you have from Brandon Bean on any draft prospect is of Elijah Moore um, when he was down. And this, was, this would have been when Moore was a freshman at Ole Miss. And his quote is basically, yeah, that, that kid's going to be something in a, in a few years in the league. And the fact that you have, you know, him kind of standing out to Brandon Bean all that time ago and Bean kind of watching his career play out at Ole Miss, I – I wouldn't be surprised at all to see the Bills go because here's the thing, Chris. We're talking about a team that used, you know, 10 personnel more than any team in the league last year. This is a team that uses wide receivers. They want wide receivers out there. They want the mismatch of having three and four and even five wide receiver sets. So, yeah, I don't think you can have enough wide receivers. And your point about the injuries towards last season, I think, is is spot on. Not only that, I I wonder, listen, I, I think all of us really enjoyed the Gabe Davis, you know, rookie experience, but. I don't want to. I want to say that, like, maybe you don't want to rely on him taking a notable step in year two. I think maybe you want to make sure you hedge that bet and you hedge a lot of bets at the wide receiver position. And I think they'll have the opportunity for sure to do that at 30. Chris, thanks so much, my friend. I appreciate all the insight. Um, tell the folks where they can find you on Twitter and obviously on CBS Sports for the draft um, and any other work you got coming up here in the coming days and weeks. I'm just on Twitter at Chris Trapasso. I just dropped a top 200 big board on Friday. I'll have it out to 250 before the draft. And again, Live grades from rounds two through round seven, CBS Sports NFL Draft Tracker. Awesome, bro. Appreciate you so much, and uh, enjoy your weekend. We'll talk soon. All right, Nate. Thanks a lot. All right, Chris Trapasso there on the Wester Hotline. i got to take a timeout. On the other side, I've got Eric Edholm of Yahoo Sports. We're talking defensive prospects that would fit the bill. So we'll talk with Eric next. That's coming up here on Sports Talk Saturday on WGR. All right, back here in our Amherst studios, Nate Geary here for Sports Talk. Saturday talking all draft, all day today. We've got Sabres coverage starting at 2 p.m. with Sabres pregame. Face-off at 3 p.m. It's Pride Day, so uh, make sure. And it's an NBC broadcast, but you can listen to it, of course, right here on WGR. Going back to the Western Hotline now, Eric Edholm joins me of Yahoo Sports to help us break down some of the defensive prospects the Bills could be looking at at the 30th pick. Eric, welcome to the program. We appreciate you joining us. Uh, it's sort of like a yearly thing. I was actually you're looking back in our DMs, and I think the last three years, it's right around this date where I'm like, Eric, I need your expertise. Let's go, man. So I appreciate you making I, some time for us. I may not be a popular man the other 11 months of the year, but in, but in April, book it, baby. I'm, hey, I'm, I'm on everyone's list. Listen, right? uh, just like Chris Trapasso, my previous, but like he, I was just talking yeah. the other day. He's like, listen, I've got two months in my life to shine, and the rest I go, I just fall back into the into the shadows, and that's a good place to be, man, because nobody expects anything from me in December, which is great. You can just work year round, or get your big boards together, uh, and then yeah. all of a sudden, you know, you you you've got no weekend time to yourself, but that's yeah. fine, you know. Oh yeah, no, there's no doubt. I mean, I, if people roll their eyes when I'm posting clips of some D3 kid in August and I get it right but it all pays off in the end right that's all, right it all pays the off there is no doubt about it man and I think this is one of the, the people like you people like Chris um, this year more than ever um, I was just I, I just watched uh, it was maybe it was a, a ticker on ESPN or something on, on Twitter that we've seen less prospects in this draft than we ever have before. I think it was something like 690 guys have hired agents, and typically you're looking in more of like the 11 to 1200 range. So this year, more than ever with the COVID and and, and and guys getting extra years of eligibility at the college level to go back, we're seeing a lot of guys decide, hey, I, I just haven't built enough uh, credibility in my career yet, or I haven't put enough on film. I got to go back and play a year. And I think we're seeing this year more than ever. There's going to be a, a pretty large drop off in this draft, Eric. And whether that comes in midway through the fourth round or maybe the fifth round, but this is going to test 
a lot of organizations. And if you're the kind of organization like, I don't want to pick on the Texans, but a team that maybe doesn't have all of the people in that scouting department that maybe they're established and people that are kind of... They've taken a lot of slack over the last couple of months, and maybe rightfully so. But like this year more than ever, Eric, you're going to need to have people that you trust in your scouting department um, that, that... that you know you have done the work at the college level, and this is they're either gonna you're, people are gonna get some some promotions or they're gonna lose some jobs in this next couple of weeks. Yeah, I think I think that's fair to say, and and you know th- there will be jobs that have already been decided at this point, right? I mean, scouting staffs always make moves early in May and everything yep. like that, so I suspect there'll be changes in, in multiple places. Look for Detroit, all the new GMs, Detroit, yeah. Atlanta, et cetera, who will, will hire their own people. But yeah, you make a great point too. I remember when. You know, when when the fall football was was in serious question, when when conferences were dropping left and right, I was talking to an area scout, and I said, and and this is a guy who's been doing it for twelve, thirteen years or something like that, and I said, if you were a first year area scout and this was your first season, quote unquote, on the road, which means you could only go to games because there were no school visits this year, how would you do your job? And he said, I have no idea. I have no idea how you would gather the information on prospects, on their character, on their work ethic. Right on you know what they do behind the scenes all that stuff so i feel like yeah even though there is this sort of smaller pool if you will i feel like this draft is going to be a ton of hit and miss more so than usual with all the opt-outs and every all the other factors the medical equation no combine you know the the pro days counting for more or whatever i really feel like this is going to lead to some big mistakes no doubt about it so man your medical brings me right to the kind of where I wanted to start with you, which was with Caleb Farley and and kind yeah. of who I believe I would like to see this Bills team go, like a need, right? Like I, ultimately, I think Brandon Bean is in a good position at 30, and if you are drafting for need in the high 20s and into the 30s, you're in trouble. Um, so the fact that I think the Bills are going to draft the best available player, Caleb Farley, some of the medicals that we're seeing coming back on him, is he a guy that you believe, first and foremost, with injuries aside, where do you sort of have him lined up in your top three or four guys, and ultimately, do you see some of his medical issues maybe turning teams away, maybe him taking off the board altogether in the first round and do you think maybe he's a, he's a candidate that could slip all the way to 30 for the Bills yeah he could absolutely I mean I'm sure the Green Bay Packers at 29 are looking on with the same sort of interest and, and you know late in round one if you if you see a player with top 10 or top 15 talent uh, slip because of the medical questions they're, they're going to be in play you know Lana Dickerson the center from Alabama is another case of a player you know Jalen Phillips from Miami who have extensive medical backgrounds that need thorough vetting so those are all players sort of in a similar, you know, discussion right there. Uh, with Farley, I mean, the tape was exciting. For a player who was a high school quarterback and switched to receiver as a redshirt freshman, or as in his true freshman year, they ended up redshirting. You know, like he's, he moves the corner and looks like he's been playing the position for, for a few years. And then in 2019 takes an even bigger step. So the tape is great. He's got the length. He's got the recovery speed. I saw him live one game and was really impressed with him matching up against Chase Claypool. I mean, you know, let him get him behind him a couple times, but he had that makeup ability. So, you know, before the second microdisectomy, which is to repair some, some tension in the, in the disc in his back, I think a lot of people had him as their cornerback number one. He was right there with Patrick Sertan of Alabama, ahead of him in some cases. But now I think he's in that 20 to 40 range, I would guess. I mean, I haven't heard from every single club on him, obviously, but – there is some worry that, you know, unless he was doing, as one team pointed out to me, like, unless he was doing some heavy lifting 
or, or some really sort of taxing work that required this, this second procedure. He didn't play last year, right? He had one after the 2019 season, and then again has to have another procedure. I mean, look, Rob Gronkowski's had a yep. couple of those. Yep. I, it's just it's a little worrisome, but I get why people are excited about the talent. The other guy I want to ask you about, um, I, I don't really see the fit myself, but I know after a pro day that saw him run a great time, Eric Stokes at Georgia – kind of started shooting up people's big boards. And and for me, you know, he's been a name I've seen in a lot of mock drafts at 30. I've also seen him mocked in the late 40s and into the 50s. So there is kind of, I, I would say, not a true consensus about where Eric Stokes kind of fits into this cornerback room. I don't really like the fit from a scheme fit for the Bills because I just don't really view him as kind of the maybe the willing tackler that you need to be in a Sean McDermott defense. Yeah. So like a Greg Newsom's another guy that I could potentially see out of Northwestern. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what you see in Eric Stokes, and maybe you can you can give us a little bit of background on where you kind of have him slotting in, but I think he's going to likely be overdrafted due to that 40 time, and, and I just am always a little cautious about, you know, maybe going against what you have on a guy and, and you changing kind of where you have him forecasted to go just based on him running a better 40 time than maybe you thought he would. Yeah, and I think people obviously do, you know, his his background, he was a track kid in high school. It's not like they were expecting a slow right, kid right. to run a, you know, sub 4-3 at, at, you know, six foot one with 33-inch arms. You know, that's going to get some attention right there. And Georgia had a really talented secondary. Multiple guys will be drafted, possibly as many as four. Actually, five if you count the safeties. But, yeah, I mean, Stokes always sort of, struck me as a as a talented player who needed some refinement he got his hands on a lot of passes uh, prior to last year then he picks off four balls but i think three of them were like airmailed to him you know i mean they had to like sign sealed and delivered with yep. a little cushion underneath it It was pretty easy for him but um it, you know it's hard not to get excited about the athletic upside there i think he's a second round pick if i had to, if i had to guess he was he's sort of I would put him a little bit in the same category. I'm trying to think of a guy in the last couple of years. But, yeah, you're right, a workout warrior mm-hmm. who's got some promising tape but maybe isn't the perfect fit for, for somebody in the first round. But, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's a really interesting corner class. There's a lot of talent there. I think it's probably one of the deeper positions when you, when you sort of come down to it. But there is a drop-off, uh, you know, probably early in day three. Eric Hedholm here, uh, NFL draft analyst for Yahoo Sports, joining us in the Western Hotline, talking a little bit about the cornerback position. I want to get into edge with you as well, um, because I do think that's another area of need for the Bills. And, and, and may they, although they may not be picking for that need, I do think that edge is the position this year that is maybe lighter than it's, I don't know, I can't really remember a draft where we weren't talking about an edge or an interior guy in the top four, top five. Right. Um, we're not doing that this year. And in fact, maybe we're not talking about an edge player until the teens and maybe even the mid teens yep. and maybe even later. Um, so who do you like as sort of the top of the, uh, of your edge chart? And then who do you see as, and maybe this is this, maybe these will be mutually exclusive. Maybe your top guy is a guy. The bills could absolutely be looking at at 30 um, just based on some of the numbers and the sheer kind of fact that we're seeing a lot of corners. There may be a run on those corners. There may be a run on linebackers. So if you see one of these top edge guys, a Jalen Phillips you talked about with the medicals, um, the uh, Ojolari from Georgia is another guy that could potentially be. He's a young guy. They're not a lot of tape on Ojolari. So tell me a little bit about who's your top guy and maybe who you could see at 30 if the Bills decide, hey, edge is something we got we to gotta, uh, address in this draft. Yeah, you're right. There, there is no Chase Young or Nick Bosa. so there's no top 10 edge this year, which is a little bit unusual. But you're right. I think there will be three, maybe four, who end up going somewhere between the Vikings at 14 
and the Buccaneers at 32, let's say. So I think that's, you know, where the, you know, there's a lot of B-plus guys, you know, compared to normal in this class. And I think, you know, it's going to be scheme-dependent in a lot of cases with, with Ojolari being a little on the shorter and smaller side. You know, some teams may ask him to stand up. Some may like him as kind of a weak side rusher. You know, I, I can see both. I think he's really disruptive. The force fumbles really caught my eye this year. I've got him right there with Quiddy Pay, And I would have Jalen Phillips at the top of the list because I think he's the most naturally talented, the biggest upside, the most promise of the group. You know, he's got a frame that could add a little bit of muscle. He's already six foot, almost six, uh, around 260. I think he could support up to 275 and be in great shape play on his feet a little bit but we only saw one year production on him he's a player who medically retired because of multiple concussions three documented that we know about uh and there's a few off the field things that need clearing up too although i've heard good things out of miami so you know it's really hard to say who will be there jason Oway from penn state the production doesn't meet up rates always so you know i would guess there's a pretty good shot that of those four i just mentioned one of them will be there. I, I, I think there's a decent chance of that, and possibly you're looking at two. But round two also has some, some good options where I think, you know, the investment won't be as big, but you'll still get most of, uh, you know, the return on investment. Yeah, we're talk- talking about the edge class. Uh, maybe even notably less impressive is the interior defensive line class of this draft. And uh, frankly, you know, you can go to some pretty good publications. You could go to a lot of top fifties and there are top fifties that don't really feature an interior defensive lineman. And I think there are, you know, obviously with Christian Barrymore or Barmore from uh, Alabama, he's kind of been everyone's tweener maybe right like I don't know where you stand on this interior um, uh, defensive line class but it is not impressive and I don't know if this is maybe we'll be looking at next year as maybe one of the most impressive interior and edge classes because a lot of guys just decide to go back to school but man it's a tough it's a tough position in the NFL right now and I think teams are looking for quality in the interior and I don't think they're going to find it in the top 50 picks of this draft yeah I agree I I think there's there's possibly two who could fit into the top 50. You mentioned Barmore from Alabama, and, you know, we still haven't seen it for him on a full-time basis. Yep. I mean, he was a part-time starter this year. He played great in the in the two playoff games. But, you know, again, it's a, it's a redshirt sophomore that you're, you know, hoping in, in two years will be that, that player that you're drafting possibly in the first round. Levi Anzarike from Washington, you know, he was a little miscast there. Played him on the nose a lot, played him as a shade, and, you know, he's barely a 300-pound guy, so I think it's it's reason to think that he could be a three-technique and be very successful. I mean, I, I like his penetration ability, but after that, there's a drop-off. And that's why you're hearing the name of, like, Milton Williams from Louisiana Tech, a workout warrior who's on the small side. You've got to use him the right way, kind of slant him a little bit. He could be your number three guy, you know. Uh, Marlon Tulia Poloto, I think, is an interesting player as well. You know, Marvin Wilson's really kind of fallen off a little bit. He was a hot name. So, yeah, this is one of the weaker DT classes in a while. And I think there might be some value late in terms of, like, the run stopper, the two down guys. But, boy, I there's not overall a whole lot to get excited about. So last one before I let you go, um, and I'm going to end, I think, every interview today talking about the draft with this question because I just got to get people on record. What's San Francisco doing? <laughs> Good question. Yeah, it's the one that I feel like I, I've not gone a show without being asked. Of course. Usually right at the top. Of course. 
my my initial gut was was Trey Lance because of the price they paid to move up, right? Just I mean, the two firsts and you know the three picks total and everything. And, you know, and then the Mac reports started coming out. And when I sent my mock that put Trey Lance there to teams, I, I usually send my mocks out to two or three NFL people and say, where, where did I go wrong? You know, tell me where sure. I messed up, whatever. And two of the three I sent it to said, our thinking is that Mac Jones is the pick there. Wow. Now, this was yeah. eight, nine days ago. So, you know, Justin Fields hadn't had a second pro day yet. You know, Vegas always knows, right? I mean, there's something to do with the fact that, that Fields is now the odds-on betting favorite to go third. So I, I, I'm just working the phones to yeah. figure out what's going on here and haven't been able to come up with anything. So, it, I mean, it feels like it could be Jones or Fields, but there are a lot of people who feel pretty dug in and feel like Mac is their guy. Do you believe, like, it's fluid, like the situation there? I, I, I just have such a tough time thinking that Shanahan, a guy that I think all of us would respect as a guy who's got it upstairs figured out. Like, he, he's a very cerebral guy. And same with John Lynch. Like, those aren't guys that I you would trade up and say, well, we're in between a couple of guys here. I just, I, right. I have a tough time believing the situation is as fluid as, well, you know, uh, Fields didn't have a second pro day yet. Like, I just... I don't know. I'm I am of the mind that it's Justin Fields. There's a lot of background between Fields and Shanahan and going to his camps and everything else like that. I, I think it makes a lot of sense. And I think obviously the last couple of weeks, this conversation around Fields is exhausting. Um, but I will say, I I just I, I like your point. I just don't I feel like this is not as fluid as all of us are making it is. Like I, I feel like San Francisco knows who they're gonna get and and they they've got their guy, and whether it's Mac Jones, Fields, or Lance, like I don't believe anything any of these guys are doing in their in their you know uh, pro days are are potentially moving the situation or moving the needle towards one guy or another, right? Yeah, I mean, right. You don't just blindly trade up, right? You have a guy in mind typically. The only way it probably happens is if you know everyone knows Trevor's going first. Yep. No surprise there. The 49ers have clear connections, obviously, to the New York Jets at number two. Robert Saleh gets the job there. They helped him get the job in San Francisco, you know, for his work out there. They promoted the heck out of him, made sure, you know, he landed at a good spot. Would it shock me if Robert Saleh said, yeah, Zach Wilson's our guy? So that they knew, okay, right. they're the first two picks. Right. Is it possible that they had equal grades on Fields and Mack or even Lance, for that matter? I suppose it's possible or very close grades, and they just wanted to be sure. They wanted to take the next couple of weeks, see them up, up close, get a rare chance to talk to these guys face-to-face, see how they interact with coaches and teammates at the pro day. You know, is there something in there that could have split that hair? I guess so, but you're right. I, I'm of the belief that they went up there pretty well knowing who their guy was and weren't necessarily going to talk themselves out of it. All right, Eric, I appreciate you as always, man, for making time for us. Tell the folks um, that are listening where um, they can find your work, especially uh, as we get closer to the draft, um, where they can get your content and all that good stuff. Yeah, head over to Yahoo Sports. We're, we're still dropping uh, scouting reports down to the last uh, handful here as we get into the, the low teens and whatnot. And uh, On Twitter, Eric with a C underscore Ed Holm, E-D-H-O-L-M. Awesome, buddy. Appreciate you. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, enjoy your weekend and enjoy the draft coming up. And uh, afterwards, you know, ha- get yourself a nice bottle of something to crack when this is all over, all right? Oh, I, you know, one of my colleagues is already sending me a bottle. I had no idea until yesterday. So when that arrives, I'll, I'll have the, uh, my, my hand ready to open that thing up. <laughs> as you should, my friend. A lot of hard work during this time of year. We appreciate you as always. <laughs>
All right, buddy. Talk to you soon. All right, Thanks. sounds good. You as well. Eric at home there of Yahoo Sports on the Western Hotline. Got to take a couple of timeouts here, get you back to the noon hour. Uh, I've got a lot coming at your way. Still, we're still talking lots of draft. Now we're going to kind of move into the AFC East. We'll have Evan Lazar and uh, Joe Caparoso um, of Badlands of the New York Jets. We're going to talk some AFC East foes, what they're doing for the draft. All that's up next here on Sports Talk Saturday on WGR. All right, everybody, welcome back to Sports Talk Saturday. We're talking lots of draft. We spent the first hour talking Bills and who the Bills could potentially take at 30, who might be hanging around at 61. Now we've got to talk Patriots. And, you know, listen, uh, we all got to know what's happening in in New England. Uh, We got to kind of know where the mind of Bill Belichick is. Are they going to trade up? Is this year they get the quarterback? Evan Lazar is going to join us here now on the West Her Hotline. He's a, the host of the Patriots Beat podcast and is also a beat reporter for CLNS Media in New England and Boston. Evan, After thank you so break. much. What's that? After the break? Oh my gosh. <laughs> Welcome back. <laughs> you didn't you let me inter, you let me spend the whole time introducing him? <laughs> Cuz we have one more break. Oh my god. Cuz it's the it's the segment it's the end of segment at the end of the hour. I looked compressed. at you and I said uh, Evan's up here, right? Cuz like I don't know and you laughed because I you thought laughed. you were... <laughs> We listen, it's been 4 weeks. We're out of practice. We got to talk out there. I got to take a timeout and then Evan's coming. Yeah. I, I'll I'll reintroduce Evan on the other side. That's correct.